0: This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On Air. Good morning and thank you for joining me today to listen to Sober Yoga Show. I'm Kate Bendel and I'm your host for this morning's show. I'm somebody who has been sober for a while now and yoga was the principal way of achieving that and more importantly actually for sustaining that. So this show is for you if you are someone who's struggling with alcohol and that could mean that you're somebody who sometimes drinks a little bit too much. Could also mean that you're somebody who is often drinking way too much or someone who's just sometimes drinking a bit too much. Anywhere on the continuum of knowing that your relationship with alcohol isn't quite how you would like it to be. So I talked last week on the show, if you didn't listen, talked about some of the comparisons and the similarities of the 12-step program known as Alcoholics Anonymous and Yoga. There's definitely some some commonalities there between yoga and the twelve steps, and there's also some distinct differences which I covered so today we're going to look a little go a little dig deeper and just start looking at choosing the first step and week by week i'm going to go through the twelve steps of Alcoholics Anonymous and see how they relate to. The school of yoga, how would yoga perceive it? And this will be perhaps useful for you if you are in AA currently and you're using that as your method of of recovery. But equally, if you're not, if you're someone who is reluctant to go to AA or you've been and it didn't work for you, sometimes yoga can be enough. Because, as I mentioned last week, AA isn't for everybody. Equally, yoga isn't for everybody. But just perhaps by listening today, you might find that there's something in this that you can apply to your to your situation, and it ends up being helpful. And just to give you a really brief bit of context, I've used both. In my early years, um, I used 12-step and I'm not sure if I would say it was a success or not um, it wasn't a success I suppose from the 12-step program's idea of I didn't kind of find sobriety and stay with sobriety I definitely had episodes of it and I learned a lot and I got a lot of support and in that way I'd say it was a success but I was one of these people who spent a decade really going in and out of the rooms and made some very dear friends Um, but I had a bit of a love-hate relationship with it and I really struggled with some of the steps and eventually once I kind of matured I guess and got into my 30s I I got a much longer run of being sober and that was within the rooms of 12 step program and with the help of a sponsor and then a point came for me that I felt I needed to leave the program which is not part of the program. It's, a, it's actually quite a hard thing to leave and I'm now part of a group on Facebook which might interest some of you as well if you're at that stage that you feel like you you've grown out of the program or there's more beyond there's freedom beyond that you need to explore some people get to this point and they do leave and they do stay sober I stayed sober ever since then Uh, but it was quite a tricky transition because equally there's some people who leave and that means it's the start of their drinking again. So there's no easy answer for that. It's a very individually based experience. So I come up from a position really of saying both have a lot to offer. There's a lot in 12 steps that can be really helpful for some people and there's also a great deal in yoga that is really helpful and some people need either or or some people can be benefit from both, which is what I did. So let's take a little look and dig into the first step, which if you're a member of the group, you'll know it or if you've ever been into a 12-step meeting, you will probably remember this, it can be pretty shocking and upsetting and confrontational <laughs> first time you see it, let alone that you're supposed to kind of agree to it. So the first step, the very first step in a 12-step meeting is that we admitted we were powerless over alcohol, that our lives had become unmanageable. So if you're someone who doesn't have a issue with drinking, It probably doesn't impact you very much that statement if you are someone who is struggling with alcohol those words we admitted we were powerless over alcohol that possibly quite enormous for you I know it was enormous for me and it felt like my life was pretty messy you know, I was, this alcohol issue was definitely a very big thing in my life. My life was not on track. I was not having a great life. And to admit that I was powerless just felt like a terrifying thing to admit. It was like I was scrabbling to kind of keep my head up in life, actually. And it felt like admitting powerlessness over anything felt too hard for me initially particularly as an 18 year old with a a healthy dose of ego and (laughs) and pride Um, I didn't want to admit that I was powerless over alcohol Um, and some days I could admit that my life had become unmanageable but again that didn't come easily there was areas of my life that actually were going quite well you know on the surface some people would have been very surprised and and I know this of so many people that I work with and so many people who struggle with alcohol some aspects of the life can be absolutely stunning you can have a good job you can have a really good relationship you can have a car and a house and decent clothes and know how to feed yourself and be parts of sports groups or something and yet you can also and and nothing about that is unmanageable. so that felt I spent many, many years trying to kind of get my head around that and make sense of that to see does that apply to me? And sometimes, after I'd gone out and had an absolute disaster, it was fairly evident that I was powerless over alcohol. But there was other times when I could sustain sobriety for three months, six months even, and I would feel like I was no longer powerless over alcohol. And so that step for me was complicated. Maybe it is for you or maybe maybe it's not. Some people come into those 12-step meetings in such a mess that you know, that what we'd classically call rock bottom, you've lost just about everything that was of any value to you in your life, and maybe then it's not quite so hard to admit that you were powerless. So, when we think of this, okay, what does the word admitted actually mean? And it means confess to be true. So, when we bring the yoga model into this, there's a couple of really important concepts that come into play so in yoga beyond the postures there's actually eight streams to yoga there's eight kind of separate lanes you could think of practices and combined they make up yoga one of them is the asana that you see but f- to be practicing true yoga you're actually doing these eight they're called limbs anga the eight limbs of yoga ashtanga yoga one of them is this thing called yama and what a yama is is it's a restraint so this is a not necessarily a brilliant comparison but it's almost like you know in the Christian tradition there's the Ten Commandments in yoga, there's these things called the yama and the niyama, and they are principles for our behavior. they they guidance in how we relate to other people, things like honesty and nonviolence, and they are also, the niyamas are more things about practices for, towards ourselves, things like contentment. So... One of the yamas, the one of the practices that is a yoga practice that you can be practicing off your mat, we can only mainly practice it off your mat actually, is this concept of satya. So satya is the truth. So the yama that we are encouraged to practice if we are a yogi or taking up the practice of yoga or learning from the school of yoga is this idea of satya satyam being the truth and on the surface level it's this idea that we speak the truth that's the really kind of gross level of it the the surface level and that's a good practice that we actually start speaking the truth and we do it in a way that's non-harmful for a lot of us who have complications with drinking this is not necessarily an easy thing we have had a problem for a long time or a short time we've had something that we often feel ashamed of and that we've hidden we've hidden how much we drink when we drink with who we drink we've hidden some of the things that we do while we're drinking We've hidden so, so many things around our drinking that usually when someone is initially beginning to deal with the alcohol issue, there is some degree of dishonesty that is already, because of the drinking, that has already infiltrated our lives. And and it's such a weight, it's such a heavy thing because it may be that we are able to be honest in all the other areas of our life But very, very few people that I know who have trouble with drinking are able to be honest about it. Sometimes even with ourselves, it's like this whole, you would have heard that word, denial, that we don't actually really want to see what we're doing. We don't really want to look at the cold, hard facts of it because we're still attached. We still want to be able to do it. So this this practice of satyam, is a foundational principle of yoga. And and what the hopeful thing about it is, is you start where you're at. It doesn't mean, oh, if you can't be truthful 100% of your time, you can't practice yoga. It's quite the opposite in a way. It says to practice yoga, one of the first practices you can start to develop without even going to a yoga class, without even needing a teacher, is this concept of, excuse me, suchum <coughs> in your own life, when and how you can. And this can show up in terms of just noticing, just quietly noticing, when am I even lying to myself? And on a deeper level, and noticing actually when you're lying to other people, just noticing it and seeing if there's any way that you can start to reduce some of that behavior and it doesn't necessarily have to be around your drinking that might be the big bad secret that for a while you have to you feel you have to still be dishonest about it so yoga wouldn't say oh forget it there's no point yoga would say find other ways start find other ways it's almost like it's a muscle like you go to the gym and you don't just pick up the heaviest one and start heaving it around, you start with a really little one. The same with any of these yoga principles, you can start light. Start where it's easy. And it might be that you could decide, okay, I notice that sometimes in the staff room or sometimes even to my neighbour or at the supermarket, I just do these stupid little white lies. You know, I mean, our society is partly built on politeness, which can encourage, to some degree, dishonesty. So you might be able to kind of just start working on that superficial level. And it doesn't mean that when the checkout person says, how are you? And if you're habitually kind of a polite lie saying, oh, I'm really great. It doesn't mean the opposite, that you have to actually divulge every personal problem that's going on for you, but there may be some other comment, some other phrase that you can use that is more authentic, that isn't being dishonest. Because the deeper level of satyam also means that our thoughts, our words and our actions are all in alignment. So what we think is what we say, and what we say is what we do. And my experience is from when I used to drink a lot, those things were really out of alignment for me. I couldn't say what I thought. And often what I would say, unfortunately, I would have all the intentions in the world I wasn't actually able to act like that. There was these terrible disconnects between those three things. And so I was living out of alignment. I wasn't in Satyam. And so I would show up in ways, do things and say things to people that really didn't sit with me. They weren't what I thought. And it was quite a torturous way to be, and it's also exhausting if you think it's like we have this kind of stream of energy and if you've got your thoughts and your words and your actions all lined up, they're all going, they're all exactly the same, they're on the same track, it's like a smooth stream of energy, it's easy, there's a easy flow to things, life is simple, whereas when they start getting out of alignment and we we think and say different things, the energy is just going all wonky. We're dissipating our energy and life gets kind of very complicated and can be very exhausting and there's no sense of being in an easy flow. And I think for a lot of people who drink more than they want to be drinking, this almost becomes an everyday experience. We're having this inner inner world which is not in line with what's going on on the outside or you can look at it from the other way our drinking habit is not actually lining up with how we truly authentically want to be and so yoga is a really good way to start working on that you can do it now from today after hearing it it's like you become a yogi once you start practicing these things And the other thing that I think yoga really adds to this idea of we admitted we were powerless over alcohol, yoga has a completely unique definition of what we, who are you, who are you as a person, what defines you. And the yoga view of the human being, I found incredibly liberating. That's really where my freedom from my drinking came in because yoga very clearly says there's two separate parts to all of us and every single one of us, you, me, every person on this planet has a light within, there's an aspect of ourselves, it has many names, Purusha, Drashta, And this is an eternal aspect of yourself. And the basic, basic state of that inner being is all knowledge. So it's clear, it's wise, and it's bliss. And that doesn't mean bliss as in having a party. It just means bliss as in a positivity. There's a positivity and a light to this deeper part of yourself. And then yoga goes on to say we all are made up of this very complicated other aspect of ourselves prakriti and that's where your mind your thoughts your habits your senses your thinking all of that is this other part of yourself you could almost think of it as the outer layer often before we begin yoga or do any other kind of training we misidentify ourselves with the outer layer we think we are our thoughts our feelings and our actions And that's where your drinking is. That's where your drinking habit is. It's in that Prakriti layer. So yoga would say that deeper part of yourself is not powerless. That deeper part of yourself is never powerless. That deeper part of yourself, that Purusha, when you go deep in and meet that part of yourself, that is a divine aspect and that is all All powerful it's a a part of the divine it is all wise it is all-knowing and so when you say we are powerless over alcohol actually it's that outer what we are sometimes happens is that we get confused and we misidentify who we really are and definitely in that outer layer the pattern of alcohol can be so strong that it's overwhelming all the other patterns in that part of yourself but yoga does go on to say if you can connect with that deeper part of yourself your alcohol addiction or habit whatever you call it does not touch that deepest part of yourself and in fact that is how you gain access to the ability to overcome those negative patterns. So for me, that was an extremely liberating understanding of who I was. And that is what all yoga practices are based on, whether it's the physical, whether it's the breath work, whether it's chanting, reading scriptures, changing your lifestyle, all of the yoga practices, the aim of them is to help you connect with that deeper part of yourself. So that, in some ways, once I understood powerlessness from that perspective, it didn't feel like, it didn't feel hopeless, it didn't feel scary. It was because with it becomes incredible power and knowing what actions I can take it's like what will what can I do then if I have been unable to change those outer layers and patterns what action can I take where's the opportunity here for me to change where's the hope basically and the hope is in over time connecting more and more with that deeper self and those outer layers and patterns just settle right down to the point that you can start to kind of unpack them and re-pattern yourself. They're called samskaras in yoga, they're patterns, and yoga is brilliant at re-patterning once you've learned to connect with that deeper part of yourself. So I hope that's kind of interesting, or more than that, I hope it's inspirational for you that yoga does have this beautiful, unique way of looking at w- and working at these negative patterns. And for us, if you're listening to this, the major negative pattern is alcohol. There's many, many other negative patterns people have as well. Um, we're just talking about alcohol here because it's a sober yoga show. Um, but you could apply it to any negative pattern. So you've been listening to Kate, Kate Bendel, I'm sober and I'm a yoga teacher. I teach here in Dunedin, and I also work one-on-one with people who are wanting to include yoga as part of the process of healing from this misuse of alcohol in your life, whatever that looks like for you. If you're interested in working with me or just curious, you can have a look at my website, which is Kate.bendel. No, it's not. It's just Kate Bindle, one word. So the Bendle is B-E-N-D-A-L-L. And yes, the irony of that as a yoga teacher, it is Bend all. So org, And equally, if you want to listen, re-listen to this or get a friend that you know who's struggling with alcohol to listen to this, all the shows are um on the ORFM website. You just go under the podcasts. And equally, if there's something you want me to cover in the show that isn't being covered at the moment, just reach out to me and let me know and i will ha- really happy to bring your wishes and concerns and challenges into a future show. So thank you for spending time with me and good luck on your journey of getting getting free from the power of alcohol in your life.